Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. The Natural Hat Trick with Luke Lipinski, Craig Morgan, and Jamie Eisner. Welcome to episode 240 of the Natural Hattrick Podcast alongside Craig Morgan, Natty Hattie, and Matt Lane. Matt, you're not Jamie. That's correct. Yeah, that is an accurate statement about Congratulations. Thank he's you. The Matt. He's the Matt. The, the Matt. Matt. Yeah. Is it the Matt or the Matt? Uh, you decided? Way. No, I don't. I'm indifferent. Okay. I'm Luke Lipinski. Where did the Matt come from? Well, Craig, uh, I think it was Craig because it was at like six in the morning, uh, tweeted from the Natty Hattie account yeah. that I would be on. Okay. And he said, get your questions to the Matt, oh. Craig Morgan, and, and Luke Lipinski. Oh. So I think it was a typo, but now I'm the Matt. It's too bad Twitter doesn't have an editing button. Yeah. I could use that. Could you? Frequently. Although in this case, it may have been uh, serendipity that it's it did Yeah. It's brandy. Uh, Jamie's not here, so enjoy the next hour. <laughs> We are going are to... Are we limiting this to one hour? Is that is that the plan? Jamie's not here. We could filibuster for a week if we want to. Okay. If we never stop talking, he can't get back into the studio. Um, this is where I want to start, even though Craig put notes out. I want to start here. Let's go through each conference. Teams that you're certain are going to make the playoffs, okay? And let's start in the West. I have five. Teams that we're certain. You like how he drops this on us, yeah. Matt? Yeah, uh, I, was not, I was not prepared Sorry, for this. I you can just say. call me Matt. That's okay. okay. Yeah, It's a little awkward when you're like, hey, do you like how he drops us on us, the Matt? Um, no, it's the spontaneity of a podcast that isn't live. <laughs> I'm going to go uh, St. Louis, Colorado, Dallas, Vegas, Edmonton. I am 100% confident those five teams make the playoffs. Wow, but not Vancouver. Hmm. Not 100%. Okay. Mm. Do you disagree with any of those? I'm not fully confident Edmonton's making the playoffs yet, but I would take the other four without a doubt. Okay. Is there anybody else you would add? I don't think there really can be anybody else no. you would add. The Matt? Yeah, I just have four. St. Louis, Colorado, Dallas, and Vegas. Okay. Just because the nature of the Pacific right now and kind of how close everybody is, who knows? I mean, there's enough games left that Vancouver with their injuries and Edmonton being Edmonton, you never know. So I just – and that's a very fair point. I just don't know that – you can get Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl this close to the playoffs and then have them miss. Yeah. And I do like the moves they made at the deadline. I don't like, for their sake, that they lost Kyler Yamamoto in his week-to-week because he was averaging a point per game as a rookie, and that's pretty good. But uh, I don't like their goaltending. I don't think they're going to do a whole lot in the playoffs, but they finally have some depth around those two guys. Uh, in the East, oh yeah, Boston, Tampa, Washington, Pittsburgh for sure, although Philadelphia is about to catch Pittsburgh. 
Yeah, I mean, I think Philadelphia is in too with the points they have. I think they're at least in a playoff spot. They they've impressed me this season. I I have to say, if, if I'm looking for surprise teams, I would put the Flyers in that mix. I didn't think they'd be this effective this season. They've been pretty consistent too. So, are they overachieving this year, or have they been underachieving for three years? They're getting the goaltending, though. Yeah, right? they're getting goaltending. It's a Did big you say difference. the latter? How long have yeah. the Flyers needed goaltending? Uh, since, since Ron Hextall? They got rid of Sergei Bobrovsky. <laughs> yes. For no reason. <laughs> they didn't even give him a chance to become that guy. No. Yeah, I mean, I agree with Craig. I, I guess it's both, right? Because, I mean, if, if you exclude goaltending from the picture, you would say that the lineup that they have should have been making the playoffs earlier. But, yeah, I mean, with the goaltending, yeah. I mean, they finally solved that issue. How concerned should I be that the Penguins have lost four in a row and are only six points out of missing the playoffs? Now? I think you should panic. Okay. Okay. All right. Off off the air or on the air? Here to help you. Thanks. I appreciate you. should not worry at all. They're in the playoffs. Uh, Also, Toronto. I think they're a cup contender. Toronto's making the playoffs, too. Uh, You keep saying this. I do, and I'm going to be right. We'll see. Toronto's making the playoffs, and Vegas is going to the Stanley Cup. I haven't wavered off these, and I'm not going to be wrong. Jake Muzzin. Yeah, but who's who's catching them? Because they're in that weak Atlantic. Yeah, but look at the points for the teams behind them. I, I you, you think you're counting that out at this point? Well, only Florida can catch them. Yeah, That's yeah but the they're thing. only two points behind. They have a game in hand, and there's like 17 games left. Yeah, I don't know. Florida, no. Toronto, they would be infuriating to be a fan of. They're also infuriating to not be a fan of because they go out and lose to a Zamboni driver, and then they, they try the next game, and they Look beat Tampa Bay. Are you feeling this segue? This it's is, a pretty it's good segue. Yeah. It's, it's, he's talented. I mean, it's, he's talented. It's a seamless a transition. God, Thank you, Craig. That's really the only reason I do this podcast is for that sort of emotional payment. They lose to Dave Ayers on Saturday, and then that wakes them up, and they beat Tampa. So they can't beat a Zamboni driver, but they can beat the reigning Vezina Trophy winner. Well, the Coyotes did, too. That's true. Everybody's beating Vasilevsky right now. Yeah, which, uh, hmm. Well, they must be almost Get ready April. for the playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> Tampa's in, in postseason form already. Oh, and they've oh. lost three in a row, too. Yes, they have. Who's been winning other than the Rangers yeah, in Vegas? Philadelphia has been playing well. St. Louis has been playing really well. St. Louis has been playing suffocating defense, and we saw that firsthand. St. Louis looked like they woke up when mm-hmm. everybody started to talk about Dallas as maybe winning that division. I wonder how much, just as a side note, how much emotional damage that did to the Coyotes to realize, whoa, this is what the cup champ looks like. <laughs> we, we, we couldn't compete with this oh. team. Now, it was back-to-back, yeah. granted. but They beat them twice this year, though. They did. But they didn't see that team. No. And I'll tell you what was more impressive to me from St. Louis is they turned around the next night and hammered Dallas 5-1. to one. That was impressive. Second half of a back-to-back, the way Dallas was playing, and St. Louis went out there and just destroyed them, too. Uh, Vegas has won seven in a row. Mm-hmm. And I love their trade deadline moves. Yep. So We'll get to those. It's part of the show notes. Oh, okay. Maybe you read those. I do want to talk about the Rangers, though. Yeah. Can we talk about Artemi Panarin in particular? Does he, there's no question he belongs in the Hart Trophy conversation at this point, but should he win it? Well, if he definitely. They it, should, they, should he win it? Well, if the, to me, it depends on if the Rangers make the playoffs. Yep. I think that's fair. I think that's a fair measure. It's not the only measure, as we've said many times on this show, but no. I think it matters. I don't think he can. I don't think he will win it if they don't make the playoffs because he doesn't play for a Canadian team and he's not Connor McDavid. I mean, that seems to be the only time that's allowed. I mean,. Leon Dreisaitl still the lead dog, in my opinion, especially how, how they played while McDavid was out. Dreisaitl's just having a, a ridiculous year, so he's probably the lead candidate, but Artemi Panarin might be number two on my list. I I would definitely have him as a finalist in Vegas. I'd probably, I'd go Dreisaitl, 
and then in whatever order, Panarin and Pasternak. Everybody so just pasta. Okay. Everybody overlooks him and is just like, oh, he'll do it again next year. Or, oh, he's he's got forty five goals. He does this every year. He's the reason Boston has the best record in the NHL. He's not the only one, mm-hmm. but he's the driving force. Boy, you think Pasta is? Yeah, he scores every night. I know he does, but I, I think he benefits so greatly by where he's positioned in that lineup. Well, even if well, he, yeah, he does. I mean, he's a great player. I'm not yeah. taking that away, but I, I honestly wouldn't have him as a finalist. Really? Even if you ignored how he's being benefited by his teammates, you also just, to me, I look at like another example would be a Jack Eichel, where like how much is he just kind of like the heart and soul and like the sole reason that they are where they are when the Buffalo Sabres were doing well earlier this year, it's the same thing with Panarin. It's like, would the hmm. Bo- would the Boston Bruins still be good if they didn't have David Pasternak? Yeah, they'd be decent. It, would the Rangers or the Sabres be able to get anywhere near what they're doing without Eichel or Panarin? No, absolutely not. That's not it's not bad logic for me, the one of you guys, but my only pushback would be, if that's the case, if Boston's a good team with or without Pasternak, and Craig, like you're saying, he benefits from what's around him, then by that logic, he could never win no matter what he does, unless he scores like 70 goals. No, I mean, he could be playing on a different line. I just, for me, still the heart and soul of this team is Patrice Bergeron. He's just an well, yeah. unbelievable I mean, it's the best team who's in the been, even though he's well-known, I still think he's underrated. He is. Yeah, I think he's as good a player as we've seen in our, our generation. Just the way he plays every facet of the game. He's so good. He's so good in every area. Uh, Jack Eichel is the Devin Booker of the NHL. That's where I'm That's at. That's a good with comparison. Yeah. He just is sort of toiling away on a team that he's really good, and when they win, it's because of him. But yeah, they're not going to make the playoffs until they put something around him. And, and to you be, think they'll trade him, Buffalo. <laughs> That's Buffalo. You could ask. I, I would at least ask. Why not? And to be clear, Luke, I mean, I think you raise a good point with Pasternak. Like, you know, oh well, if he plays for Boston, he can never win. I see what you're saying. To me, that actually raises an issue with the way that the that the award is worded because the voting it asks you the player that is most valuable to the team and to me that's not the, the spirit of the award is who is the best player in the NHL and that's the way I think it should be worded so yeah. I think it's different it depends on how you you know what you're evaluating but, but what defines best player is it just points i mean when you look at first of all and we've talked about this before look at the the various duties of a center versus a wing the center's duties are much greater than a wings, right? He impacts the game in more areas. He should, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and Patrice Bergeron, Bergeron certainly does. So I, I weigh that as well. Uh, Leon Dreisaitl's played a lot of center this year. so Well, I think Dreisaitl would be the winner I think me. so, too. Um, <laughs> he's going to lose votes to McDavid. People are just going to vote McDavid because probably true. they're not yeah. watching, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Cause, just because it's McDavid. I, I mean, but here, Pasternak... Each of the last four years, yeah. you talk about the story you wrote, and maybe we'll get to it if you want to throughout the show of how many thirty, what is it, thirty-five goal scorers the Coyotes have had, or thirty goal scorers? Thirty scores? goal scorers since two thousand twelve, since the two thousand eleven twelve season when the Coyotes went to the Western Conference Final and Redeem Verbata had thirty-five goals. They have not had a player reach thirty goals in that time, and I wrote about this their their lack of scoring their entire time in the Valley yeah. in that time frame. Every other team except the Ottawa Senators has had at least one 30-goal scorer. All but three teams have had multiple. Now, Vancouver and Vegas are the two teams that have only had one. They're both going to get another one this season. And Vegas has existed for their third year. Yes, exactly. (laughs) So that tells you how dramatic it was. And as I mentioned off the air before, Ottawa would have had one too, but they decided to trade Pacheco. That's true. They wanted to make sure they stayed under 30. Yeah, Uh, But 
with Pasternak, his last four years, 34, 35, 38, 45. And if you watch him, mm. I agree with everything you're saying about his line mates and his team around him, but he is a pure goal scorer, too. If you put him on Ottawa or the Coyotes, he's still scoring, maybe not 45 this year and on his way to at least 50, but he's a 30-goal scorer every year, I think, on any team. Yeah, I agree. So, Gotta find those guys. Gotta find those guys. There's not a lot of them, but there are more than none of them. Well, when you, <laughs> you know what I those, mean? Again, when you look at the numbers that I, when I did all that research, it's it's striking. It's striking how deficient this franchise has been in that regard. Matt, this is another thing Craig will do. He'll talk. He'll just casually throw in when I did all of that research, when I slaved over my story, when I you know I, I Craig's got one heck of a work ethic. He's a He's a hard worker. He's like uh, he's the Sidney Crosby of the podcast. He practices like he's trying to make the NHL, even though he's already good. No days off. No. Boston no. has had fourteen thirty goal scorers in that span. Fourteen. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, Dallas ten. Tampa ten. How did Dallas have ten? Well, well, for a while, Sagan and Ben were were hot, and yeah. they had uh, I think uh, Jason Spezza had one in there. They would randomly they bring in yeah. a different guy to get thirty every year. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's talk about David Ayers. Okay. Just an unbelievable story. It's it's. I don't want to say it's played out by now, but obviously everybody knows it. It's been talked into the ground. But the fact the fact that he's on some level employed by the Maple Leafs and he comes in, and if the Maple Leafs somehow did miss the playoffs this year, it's going to be by one point. If they do, it's going to be because of their Zamboni driver. Uh, it couldn't have happened to a better team. Unbelievable. Uh, I'm surprised this, it didn't happen to Ottawa. I like this story so much more than the John Scott story because it's organic. Yeah. It's not manufactured. It's not a fake story, which John Scott was, mm-hmm. as we who covered the Coyotes then know. <laughs> it was a fake story. Yeah. This is just uh, – and this only happens in hockey. It's one of those unique hockey stories. And the fact that it happened in Toronto, too, just blows it up because it's the media capital of the NHL. And it so, happened to Toronto. Well, we were so Craig, you were present for this. The other day we were all in the Coyotes media room discussing this issue and I had said that, you know, in baseball, baseball teams have an emergency backup catcher, but it's a player on the team who plays another position. So like for example, a few years ago the Diamondbacks had a shortstop Cliff Pennington, he was their emergency catcher. I actually think it would be a lot of fun to see like Derek Stepan put on the goalie pads or something like that. Now, obviously one of those players would have to have some experience playing goaltender, but um, to me, that's the simple solution, because why are we just taking guys off the street who work at, you know, a bank? I think there's got to be somewhere in between, there, because fun. I think it'll be a bloody disaster if you put a skater in net. And he got hurt. That's yeah. the problem, is if you put him in and he got hurt. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it would have to be like your seventh defenseman or something. No offense to baseball catchers, but I think the, the, the leap from skater to goalie is greater. That's than, fair. Yeah. Maybe they could put one of those like shooter tutor things where it's like the wood goalie. <laughs> yeah, just have that. There just put go. a cone in net or something. Yeah. Or just I, go no goalies. I thought. Well, <laughs> yeah, what would have happened? Remove their goalie if he had gotten hurt, or if Toronto had lost both their goalie. And Toronto did this to themselves too by running Carolina's goalie. Don't let that be lost. I mean, full speed. Oh, I didn't see the goalie. If you didn't see the goalie, then you shouldn't be in the NHL. The goalies are kind of big. So they did this to themselves, and then they got embarrassed. It was hilarious. I enjoyed it. For everybody that listens to this podcast that for some reason thinks I'm a Leafs fan, I thought that was the greatest moment of the year in hockey, watching Toronto get embarrassed on their own ice. Well, you're wearing a Toronto Maple Leafs t-shirt right now. so <laughs> Well, you know, I don't know why I looked, but I did actually look down at my shirt just to see if I was. Um, it's a great story. It's uh, Across it the board, it was a great story. A couple of things. Uh, you mentioned running goalies. I, I've been thinking about this a lot. With uh, I'm, I'm doing re- a deep research on a, a goalie story. There is, again, once again, I'm researching. Deep research. Deep research. On, deep on, dive. On, just uh, on, on this position in particular. And one of the things I wonder is, do we need to start protecting goalies like we protect quarterbacks? 
like kind of legislate hits out of the game, basically. I don't know what the solution is. I'm working through it, but you're talking about running goalies. We see a lot of contact with goalies, and if you only have two of these guys, you don't have a lot of options, first of all. It changes the complexion of a team entirely when you lose a goalie. We've seen it around here, obviously. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's just something that I've been thinking about. Do, do we need to start protecting goalies a little more, especially with the vulnerable vulnerable positions they find themselves in? The butterfly, I've been talking to some people who say it's the most unnatural movement in professional sports other than pitching. It's not good for the body anyway. Imagine getting hit when you're in that position. It, it, it's got to do just great damage to the body. I don't know. And I feel like thing I'm thinking about. I feel like that does happen a lot. Yes. Um, and those are the ones I don't know. Like the hit, the Toronto hit on on uh, Carolina's second goalie in that game. I mean, that was that's not hard to get out of the game. Don't run full speed into the other team's goalie. That's easy to fix. Chris Kreider. Yes, but when <laughs> but when there's a bunch of uh, when there's a bunch of traffic in front of the net and the goalie's down making us. I mean, they're. To a certain extent, it's unavoidable. But I guess to your point, in football, a lot, there's a lot of just bodies falling around the quarterback and falling around their knees, and they have found a way where you cannot touch Tom Brady and even some of the other quarterbacks you can't hit, too. Cam Newton, apparently, you can hit full speed in the head every game if you want. But a lot of the quarterbacks, they do protect in the NFL. So there is a way to do it. But if you think goaltender interference is confusing now, yeah, exactly. good That's luck true. adding more to it. Um, but, but back to the... Uh, the e-bug I- issue. What do, you, what do you guys think is the solution here? Uh, you know, I, it's very rare. It's it's almost never going to happen that your e-bug goalie gets hurt. But both teams lose their goalies, right? So yeah. you need two. So some of this, I think, is just sort of fear-mongering off the moment because this is such a rarity in, in and of itself. Look, okay, now that this happened, oh, my God, we have to solve this. Well, look how infrequently it happens. I don't know that we do, but... This particular situation definitely raises some questions. <laughs> like, because he was a team employee, I, I don't, I don't know what you do with that. I, I, you might need to find a, another solution to that. Should you expand the rosters and let teams carry a third goalie? I think carrying a third goalie is wise in a lot of for a lot of reasons anyway. To relieve workload on goalies that are overworked anyway. I, I don't know. What What are your thoughts on this? Um, I don't have a problem with that, but my, I guess my question would be, and let's just use the Coyotes as an example, if they carried a third goalie, is that third goalie Aiden Hill and he's never playing? Right, and that is that is the question, yeah. Probably not. You okay. probably don't want it to be that guy. It's almost like a journeyman that might be out of the league otherwise, or okay. just, I don't, I don't know how you handle that, but I think there's some value to having a third goalie around anyway in terms of practice days, and I think more and more data is showing that you know, goalies after they play a game, you should probably just give them the next day off. But could you not? <clears throat> could you not say the same thing about that situation? Because you're because you had brought up the point of what if both your goaltenders get hurt? You bring in the e bug, he gets hurt. Well, if you have a third goalie, well, what if all three of your goaltenders get hurt? Like to me, it's the same issue either way. I see what you're saying. I don't know. It just it seems like such a such an oddity or such like yeah. an anomaly that that would ever happen anyway. Because look at how many times. I mean, it's been what a few years since um, Scott Foster even came into a game. Right. So you're talking about this is like a once every few years kind of thing anyway. And then you're talking about that guy getting hurt. I don't know what they would have done if if Ayers had gotten hurt, but it's almost like kind of a non-issue. I yeah. guess that's kind of how yeah, I see I, it. I do kind of feel that way. Yeah. We're probably not going to see that. But uh, what's irritating is I feel like it became an issue because Toronto was involved. And because they were part of the game, now all of a sudden it's because because I was talking to a few people and, and and I was talking to somebody right after the game happened, and she was like, "I feel like there's an emergency 
backup goalie story in the NHL every year now. And it's like, yeah, but the story is that a, a guy ends up on the bench and he never sees the ice, right? Scott Foster actually saw the ice and that was a huge deal. David Ayers won the game. I mean, that, that's so, yeah. you could make a movie out of that. That's so unique, especially when you hear his life story up to that point. So in the game itself, I mean, what does he... He stops Matthews at one point, and every, all the Carolina players just pile on top of him to make sure the puck doesn't go in, because he clearly doesn't know where it is. He plays the puck on that Teravinen goal, former Blackhawk Tevu Teravinen. That was... Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Mm-hmm. Um, there we go. I should have used this for Artemi Panarin, too. Yeah. Why would you want a, an MVP candidate on your team? You need... We, you need a Brandon, Brandon Saad, Saad instead. Yeah. You need your big bell from your house. That yeah. is like the, the Paul Revere bell. bell. Yeah. yeah. Um, I should bring that in someday. You really should. Yeah, I'll bring that in the day that you actually record drops, use drops. Okay? I've, I've got a folder over here of drops. Nate. I do. Nate. I, it's there. Um, anything else on this one we want to hit before we Well, uh, I just like the way they treated him after this, too. How about the Canes with, with what they did for him? I mean, the, the, you saw the shirt. Yeah. And he gets, he gets a portion of the proceeds, and some of it goes to uh, Kidney Foundation. He's doing the talk show circuit. It's It's been a blast. His wife is getting pub. Can I just bring up one point on that? Actually, I saw some people debating on online whether or not it was right for him to sort of celebrate this victory and do the media tour and go on the late show and all this stuff when he works for the Maple Leafs, who are like in despair because of it. They're like, <laughs> That's oh, their problem. Next time he practices with the Marlies, he's going to get a hard time. It's like, oh, who cares? Like, I'm sure whatever. those guys are happy for yeah. him. You know, of course they are. Of I, course they are. All right, we're all on the same page yeah, about that. I gotta say, Toronto fans are usually pretty. They have the propensity to view their team as the only team in the league. I thought they handled it pretty well during the game too. I mean, he got he got cheers from the Toronto fans because it was such a just an amazing story. Yeah, I like the way Carolina handled it in game too because he gave up he gave up two goals in the first two shots, right? Right, and, and you're it, like, oh. <laughs> and his teammates his teammates for the night kept coming up to him and saying, "Look, dude, if you give up ten goals, whatever, we're just happy you're in net." And then he doesn't give up another goal and they win. Uh I enjoyed it. The other much smaller story that night was Alex Ovechkin getting 700 career NHL goals. Oh, yeah, that. Um, and Craig wrote something in Russian in the notes. Should I run that through Google Translate? Yeah, what, what does that say? I can't even pronounce that. It says, Это будет очень хорошо. Oh, okay. Maybe I shouldn't type that into Google or they're going to start monitoring my computer. Mm. Um, it's a great goal. It was a great setup. It was Kuznetsov that threw the pass, right? right. He threw that pass like he wanted to be in the highlights of Ovechkin's 700th career goal. <laughs> like he was diving, landing on his stomach. I don't know that that was necessary on the pass, but it was a, it was a great play. Like I said, I think he's getting to 895. But how about Kovey joining, too? I mean, this is a fun story now. It's a fun story. It's not fun for you, I know. I understand. Oh, you're, Co- you're, you're not relishing this, are you? Uh, not really. At Do the you think moment. they're going to print uh, like Kovey jerseys now? Just like Ovi, spell it Kovey? Kovechkin. Oh, there you go. There you go. Um, he played on the third line in the first game, though. Yeah. But he'll be on the power play, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, uh, the Eastern Conference playoffs are going to be great this year. What I'm not relishing, and I will say this right now, the one thing I don't want, so I'm sure it'll happen, is the Penguins losing to the Flyers in the first round. Hmm. And if they played starting today, it would be the Penguins and the Flyers, and I don't think the Penguins would win if they were playing today. Because I just watched them lose to it's Buffalo and L.A. You have no faith in your team. I just watched I've them lose to Buffalo before. and L.A. <laughs> And they outplayed L.A., but they got smoked up and down the ice by Buffalo. Uh, no, the Capitals will be fun. And the Leafs will be fun, and the Bruins will be fun, and the Penguins and the Light. I mean, the Eastern Conference is going to be unreal this year. Anything you want to touch on specifically at the trade deadline? I like what Carolina did. <laughs> You're just ignoring my last note under Kobe Twinsovia. 
<laughs> yeah. yeah. I'll go ahead and ignore okay. that one. We'll ignore that one. <laughs> we can talk about that off air. Um, the trade deadline, I thought, was more active yeah. across the board than yeah. it's been in recent By years. By volume, it, it actually was. And there, there, was, there were more trades. There was that rumor that never actually came to fruition that Zach Parisi was going to get traded to no, the it Islanders. It fell apart. It wasn't a rumor. They were actually working it, but it just fell apart. If Minnesota could have pulled that oh, off. Exactly. Billy Guerin. Large applause. Yeah. <laughs> for shedding himself of that contract. You imagine sitting in negotiations between Billy Guerin and Lou Lamorello? That seems like a scene from Casino. That would not have been a good trade for for the New York no, Islanders at all. No, I was joking the other I would day. Have encouraged Dan Bowen to take notes. However, if, if that had gone down, <laughs> well, I was joking the other day that you know, it, obviously the deal fell through. And when it was going on, I don't know if somebody called Lou Lamorello and told him, "Hey, you know, this is Zach Prise in 2020, right?" <laughs> He's like, "Oh, if they trade the current version of him." Yeah, forgot what year it was, and 21 and 22 and 23 and 24 because he signed till the end of time. Yeah, um, I did like what Carolina did. Yep, we were talking off no the doubt. air. I don't totally understand what Florida did. Um, Makes no sense. Vincent Trocheck's better than Eric Halla. And well, they when you are look at what they did in the offseason, the pieces they added, and then you're going to shed Vincent Trocheck. Yeah, uh, it doesn't make sense to me at that position. You had you had good center depth, and you've. Yeah, I he, mean, may, maybe the pieces you got back will help, but I don't get that move at all. There's there was some talk that there was some friction between he and Joel Quenville. There's also talk that they have to shed some salary. But that's not where you shed it. You don't shed it up the middle. That's where you build. Well, even I, if you, and the Coyotes were absolutely in on Vincent Trocheck. They were yeah, absolutely trying. That to That would have been him. nice. That that's what you're looking for, right? Yeah. That's a that's a skilled center that can move the puck up the ice. Well, even if you wanted to shed that salary, I mean, the team's four points out of the playoffs with mm-hmm. a month to go, a month and a half to go in the season. So it's like, why are you trading away? Your, like it just like, makes no sense. You, you've heard all the narratives too. Like this is a wake up call. Okay, you, you you give them a wake up call by trading one of your best players. That doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. You've just weakened your team. It may have a short term Im- impact. Like George Richards, our our uh, Florida writer, told me the game against the Coyotes was the best defense he's seen the Panthers play all season, they, they and they've been looking defense. for that. But does it sustain? You You are who you are over the course of a season, so you've just weakened yourself ultimately. Mm-hmm. I guess the counter-argument against Trocek would be he only had 10 goals this year. He only had 10 goals last year, too. He banged up, though. Remember, he had the fractured ankle, so yeah. give him oh, some yeah. time. Remember how long it took Brad Richardson to recover from a broken leg? I mean, it, it was severe. That was a bad injury, so... I really want to see what he looks like next season. I, I think this is a good move. I think I think he fits in with Carolina, too. And also, the year before that, 31 goals and 75 points on a Florida team that at that time really wasn't very good. They still had Barkov and Huberto. But uh, here, should I just read this question now since Jamie Eisner, somebody named Jamie Eisner, Who? tweeted in? Who? Uh, I think that's Jesse Eisenberg? Yeah, maybe it's Jamie Eisenberg. Okay. I don't know. Yeah, let's just assume it's Jamie Eisenberg. Okay. If you had to rank your favorite Natty Hattie co-hosts, let's say on some sort of list, would Jamie be number one or number one? Well, obviously that last part doesn't even make any sense, like an Escher drawing in, in word form. So let's just uh, – I would say my favorite Natty Hattie co-hosts would be a tie between Craig Morgan and Matt Lehman. Oh, thanks. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. What, what about you guys? I'd say Luke and Matt. Like a tie? Yeah. Okay. Man, and I would just you? say Luke. Oh, well, that okay. took an odd well, twist, but I like it. It's nice having you this week, man. You know what? Actually, I would put Craig up there, too. <laughs> oh. And, you oh. know, Jamie said... Would you like would, to come back next week? I would love to. Thank okay. you. How about permanently? That's all it takes. That would be great. Okay. We do need a third host, since there's only two of us that ever do the show together. I feel like we used to have somebody else, yeah. but... Yeah. I'm not sure how much he contributed, though. No, very little. I would say he was more of a detractor than anything else. 
Um, he's even detracting this week, and he's not here. Anyway, back to the uh, the trade deadline. Carolina was a clear winner for me. If we, if yeah. you're into that whole sort of winner and loser thing, well, I take them more seriously now than I did before the trade deadline, and I don't know that any other team really changed my opinion of them. Although I like the moves, I like Blake Coleman. I like Tampa adding Blake Coleman. And I like Boston, and maybe this uh, won't even matter. I like Boston's additions too. I really do. Nick Ritchie, oh, he fits like a glove Boston there. Player. Yes, exactly. I like. Look, it, they've got a long way to go, but I like what Ottawa did in terms of return. I do too. They got a lot for Pajot. <laughs> yes, they did. Yeah, I, yes, they did. So you know, I know I was razzing them earlier because they gave up the only thirty goal scorer they're going to have this decade. But he wasn't helping them this year. But yeah, they're they're long term. So the it number made of sense draft picks they, they have is insane. Yes, it is. They have a ton of, draft and that's picks. that's uh, those are assets too, right? They don't all have to be actual picks. They could parlay those into something else. So. They I like a lot of what they tend do. to draft well too, for the most part. I mean, Thomas Shabbat and Brady Kachuk have both already looked like really, really good picks. It's just a matter of if they keep those players when they develop them, or if they ship them off in five years when they get really good. In 2020 and 2021, in the first two rounds of the draft, they have a total of 11 draft picks, and this year they could have two draft picks in the first five picks of the yeah. draft. It's insane. I'll ask you that question because we asked whoever used to sit in that chair before you. Hmm. If if you're Detroit and you get the first pick, and Ottawa has the second and third pick, and they offer them to you for the first pick, are you taking it? If I'm Detroit? Detroit specifically. So I'm Detroit. Ottawa wants to trade me the second and the third for my first. Would yes. I take it? I would. Yeah, yeah definitely. I think I would, too. That's there, just a statistical problem. There are two problem. consensus yeah. impact players in this draft, but you know, we'll see about it after that. This is supposed to be a forward-heavy draft. We'll see how it plays out again. Predicting the draft is Craig's favorite thing to do. Yeah, I mean, it's just let's see how all of that has played out. Let's go back and see what your predictions actually look like a few beyond the first couple picks, right? Yeah. But in terms of other winners, uh, I know you're not sold on this yet, but I like the Marlowe edition for the Penguins in a depth role. The guy can skate. He's got crazy experience. I, I, I love adding him to. And it's not like they needed him in that room anyway, but I love adding a guy like that. No, I I like the moves Pittsburgh made. I mean, if you're counting the Jason Zucker move too, because he clearly fits. And and mm-hmm. Connor Sheary, I think, has more value to the Penguins than he would to a lot of other teams because he has played with Crosby before. I mean, that line used to be Sheary, Crosby, and Dupuis. I think a yeah. few years ago, um, he can play with Crosby. Yep. I mean, you would think most players could, but he specifically knows where to be on the ice. I just they've lost four in a row, and if you look in the Eastern Conference, you can't lose many more than four in a row, or you'll drop out of a playoff spot. I don't think they're going to, but they easily could because there's a lot of teams right yeah. there winning. New Jersey got some nice return, too, by the way, <laughs> including they're going to have the Coyotes' first-round pick this year, and it's it's, it's got to be a lottery pick. I didn't really understand that Wayne Simmons trade for Buffalo. That didn't really make a lot of sense. I didn't either, but they didn't have to give up anything for him. Yeah, they did. Yeah. It's a fifth-round pick, was it? Yeah, but what I don't understand is why didn't the team that's in the playoffs make that trade? Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, right. I, right. Yeah. I, 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 look, I know he's beat up, but I'd take him. I'd take him for the postseason. The way he plays in that front, he's he's the kind of player that the team we cover does not have. That's okay. I'm glad you brought that up. Let's get into the Coyotes here for a second because two two names that got moved, and I, I don't. I'm not saying the Coyotes should have been in on these guys. Um, I'm not even sure if they could have been. Although Wayne Simmons, I guess they could have. It was only a fifth rounder. Wayne Simmons and Nick Ritchie are both players that I don't think the Coyotes have 
enough players like. Yep. And I, I don't, it's not, if you listen to Toronto media talking about the Leafs every day, they talk about how soft their team is. I don't think the Coyotes are soft. I think they need another big, they need another loss in Krause on this team. And we saw it, we've seen it a few times, like in the Dallas game where Oliver Ekman Larson gets run from behind by Jamie Benn and the league's not going to take care of it and suspend Jamie Benn. So somebody on the ice needs to take care of it. Well, if Krause isn't on the ice, who's taking care of it? You know what I mean? If you have Nick Ritchie or Wayne Simmons, it's getting taken care of. So I'm not even so much saying they need to make that move this year, but if you're asking me what they need to add in the offseason, I think they might need to add a guy like that. It can't just be an oaf. He's got to be able to score, too. Yeah, mm-hmm. I th- to me, that's, a, that's exactly what I was thinking, because I see a lot of fans saying, we needed an enforcer. Well, Ugh, to yeah. me, an enforcer is like Paul Bissonette, B.J. Crombie, and John Scott. Like, no, come on. It's not going to work. Let's not, hey, but, B.J. Crombie. Yeah. Nice. But... Yeah, should have led the show with BJ a Lawson Krause guy who scores double digit goals every year and is a heavy body and plays physically. Yeah, that is the kind of guy that I think the Coyotes. Could I, use. I would have loved to see them add to the back end too, and I know we would have been expensive. I don't know what the price was, but I would have explored. Maybe they did Josh Manson, right-handed yeah. shot. I talk about a perfect fit. I have to think that that's he was probably pretty expensive. Yeah, he's a core piece there, so I get it. And certainly, if they could have got Vincent Trocek, that would have been outstanding. But mm-hmm. I think Nick Ritchie, and I haven't seen him enough. I don't think he can skate like Kraus, but he definitely has, I don't know, 15-goal potential. He's had He's got a 14-goal season on his uh, resume already with Anaheim in, in 2017. Just a guy like that that can throw his weight around. I mean, he's 235 pounds, but he can also score a little mm-hmm. bit. So he's not he's not just wasting a roster spot. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be him or Wayne Simmons. Certainly, Wayne Simmons in his prime would be perfect, yeah. but you... I think you're going to have to add another piece like that in the offseason. I do, too. So. What were the Islanders doing paying so much for what they got? I, I, you're not that close. No, uh, that was weird. I don't I don't get that. And I don't know that Peugeot is ever going to have a season like he's having this season again. Mm-hmm. Vancouver, Louis Domingue. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> uh, I wondered if you were going to notice that one. No, with the Islanders, it's like, this isn't fair to Peugeot, but I just see Ryan Dezingle. I just see a guy that was scoring a lot in Ottawa. Probably wasn't asked to play a lot of defense in Ottawa because they don't seem to believe in that. And you paid as if he's you you paid for him at his highest possible stock. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then the, the fact that they were trying to turn around and add Zach Parisi too. Right. I don't think the Islanders are close in the Eastern Conference. No. They're not better than six of the teams in front Agreed. of them. Agreed completely. And by the way, what do you make of Nashville just doing nothing? Is yeah. it just because we're right on the cusp? We're not sure we want to make any... Maybe you wait to the summer and, and and make much greater changes at that point. We talked about this, I think, last week. How there, you know, David Poyle was. There are reports that he's even considering major moves, like moving Ryan Johansson out. Do you wait until then and see how this team does if it gets into the playoffs? It, it almost feel, feels like they needed a a little bit of a push to get into the playoffs. But you know, I, I guess I can understand the logic either way here. Yeah, but it's it's worth noting, and I guess Toronto really didn't do that much either although they have already added a couple pieces i mean adding jack campbell was big um and i know that was a couple weeks ago but i know a lot of people were reading into that that maybe kyle dubas looks at that team and is like yeah um they're gonna have the group we have has to figure it out otherwise we're not going anywhere anyway what did you think about chicago giving away eric gustafson for i don't know what um here's how i feel (laughs) third round pick yeah look in terms of players they've given away he's not on my top mm, 10 list (laughs) so whatever i'm used to it i'm numb to it at this point there i can rattle off players that i'd rather have well even because his defensive liabilities are 
considerable. Well, even the most incompetent GM, you would have to assume is reasonable enough to just accept the best offer he gets for a player. So, you know, you say, oh, he only got a third round pick, but it's like, well, what else, what other offers were on the table? You know, if that's what the market was bearing and he felt that it was necessary to move him, then I think people knew they had to move him too. Yeah. They were in a tough spot. I wonder how they got there. Uh, I'm reading Craig Custance's uh, piece on The Athletic, and just for Calgary. I'm, oh, yeah. I'm, just, I'm reading, to call that up. just reading the Calgary perspective on it. Nothing splashy, but when the dust settles, the third-round pick for Eric Gustafsson could end up looking like one of the best deals of the deadline. It's a third-round pick. Yeah. It's just, for a guy that produces again, offense. Again, how many third-round picks pan out to anything? Not very many. I don't Even second-round picks. I mean, if it's a high second-round pick, okay, you might get a Sebastian Ajo, but by and large? Yeah. Your, draft your, picks are overvalued. Your, your banking draft picks on are that. overvalued. Completely agree. Um, I like what Vegas did. I like getting Alec Martinez because their defense is a little shaky, and I love adding Robin Leonard. And that's after watching yes. them give up five goals to Anaheim on Sunday night. That tandem now is is that the best tandem in the West? Very good, very good. I mean, who else is there? Dallas and the Coyotes. Yeah, those are the other teams with with a tandem. St. Louis has a pretty good tandem right this year too. Oh, man, but Flurry and. <laughs> Playoff flurry. Leonard, he can, good. Playoff flurry can. Uh, he's so fine in Vegas. Which, which playoff flurry are we talking about? Like mid 2010s playoff oh. flurry for the Penguins. <laughs> when it goes south for him, it goes south. Yes, it does. So it's nice to have a backup, let me tell yeah. you. Vegas also added Coyotes legend Nick Cousins. Yes, yeah. that's yeah, true. They, people wanted him back here. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I didn't mind Nick Cousins. He was, he was okay. fine. I didn't, that's not going to solve anything. Fine. <laughs> no, he's, he wasn't going to solve anything. Exactly. Um, that's that's a trade. If you're the Coyotes making that trade, it would have been a trade just for the sake of making a trade. Uh, did you who's mind? Who's, take, who's taking over for Nick Cousins as the guy who falls down the most on the ice, would you say? That's a tough call. Yeah. Everybody seems to be able to skate this year. I've seen a couple guys who yeah. go down a lot. Uh, get knocked intentionally? off their feet a lot. Oh, no, just yeah. get knocked off their feet a lot. Uh, we'll get to the Coyotes in a second. It's going to be a therapy session for everybody. Okay. But last one for the trade deadline. Detroit really didn't do anything. Shouldn't you be like trying well, to get every possible like their season? <laughs> Are they still in the league? Like, I figured they would be trying to maximize well, every asset they had. Fortunately for the Red Wings, relegation does not exist in the NHL. Well, they trade. They did trade Athanasio, and, and they did get two picks, right? Two second rounders. Like they got man. two second round picks and uh, and Sam Gagne. He can't skate like crazy though. Can he? Well, I know he had that one chance, but he had blocked a shot, so he couldn't do it. But when when McDavid found him, yeah. for a possible breakaway, but he can. Those two skating together. Yeah, look, no, it's, it's great. You can. I like what Edmondson did. You, can you say his name for me so I can I can start what I'm going to say? Andreas Athanasiou. Thank you. Yeah, that guy. There's talk that he's not the greatest hockey mind. That's what I hear. Yes. Yeah. But with Connor McDavid, he may not have to be. He may just point him in certain directions, say, "Be here, and I will find you with the puck." He's like one of those like old toy cars that you rev up and then just hit the <laughs> button and let him go. He's only going to go in one direction. If you if you haven't seen a lot of Athanasiu and you don't want to watch the Oilers or whatever, find his goal against the Penguins oh, from three years ago, where he yes. takes it from behind his own net. And I'm sitting there watching, and I, and I like had to applaud even though it was against the Penguins because he went through the entire team in less than a second. Yeah, it was the unbelievable. Speed is ridiculous. He's got to be. I don't know who are the fastest players in the league. I would McDavid. like to find out. Legit, like, are we talking straight line? Or are we talking? I don't know why they do laps. Yeah, I don't know. Why either. do you do laps? I guess because you don't want them hitting into a wall at the end. Why do you not like that? I don't understand. Well, why does a lap matter? I, I want to know what a guy looks like straightaway speed. Like, give him the puck and let him go. They should skate with a puck. Yeah, straightaway. Who's the fastest skater up the ice? Because that's what matters. Well, or uh, you could do like agility has to weave through a couple things, but. 
I don't care. But if a guy picks up the puck in the corner and needs to skate around behind the net and go the other okay, way, you that's could part start, of the game. You could start it there, but almost like a J. Like you start, you go behind the net in a straight line up the ice real quick, right? Yeah, sure, mm-hmm. you could do that. I would say McDavid, obviously Barzal, Athanasiu, and Grabner are four of the fastest. We haven't seen Grabner in a while, but trust me, I he's one of the I hope we see Michael Grabner again. I, I think he deserves another crack at this lineup. I, I'm honestly a little surprised he's been out this long. Yeah, There have been some candidates. Yeah, it's not like every, it's not like the team's on a 12-game winning streak and they can't find time to, to bring Grabner in. He has not played since January 30th. I know. Man. And he's got a good attitude about oh, it. He's just the best human being, isn't he? he yeah, he really is. Um, let's get to let's let's get into the Coyotes conversation starting with are you cool with them not doing anything at the deadline? Cuz I know a lot of people weren't. So <laughs> based on the look on Craig's face, we'll start with Craig. I will I'll <sighs> Everything is nuanced, right? They're, they're not black and white answers here. I would have liked to have seen them add that type of player I talked about on the back end, that Josh Manson, or maybe something along those lines, maybe something less expensive in terms of acquisition cost. I think they can use that. I do. I, I see that all the time. They're not clearing bodies out in front of the net. They could use a little more in the corners. They do have some needs on their back end. I, I agree with the coach on that one, and I have not liked much of Jordan Osterley's season. So I think there's a spot for a guy. But beyond that, I would say I wasn't terribly impressed with the inventory at this year's trade deadline. I don't think it was very good, by and large. And there were a lot of high prices paid for it. And that's what John Chaga is generally talking about when he talks about the trade deadline. You have to overpay. And if you look at the history of trade deadline moves, what percentage of them actually work out? Not many, actually. Not, not many. It's a low percentage. Because you're bringing that guy in with, what, there's less than six weeks left in the season now. So a lot of times it takes a guy four or five weeks to really yeah. get going. Yeah. Like, they can be fine, but not really make an impact until you're there's just this either frenzy. missing the playoffs. It's, it's or, funny to watch, isn't it? It's, there's just this frenzy of, like, we got to add, we got to add, okay, we got to send a message to the room. The, you know, the, the narratives you hear, you got to send a message. And I, I think there's something to that when a team sees you adding pieces. Okay. They believe in us, but I don't know. I think that only goes so far. That probably wears off after four or five games. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you use the word that I agree with completely, which is nuance. Like, fans do want the team to do something for the sake of doing something, and it's like, well, you don't know what the acquisition cost was. If mm-hmm. you said, well, I wish they'd gotten Josh Manson, well, what if Anaheim wanted seven first-round picks for Josh Manson? It's, it, another that issue would be here too is, much. I wouldn't do that. that too much. Yeah, it's a bit of a lopsided trade. I mean, there's also the issue of cap space, right? So if a team is wanting to ship out Josh Manson, they want draft picks, and you're saying, well, you got to take you know, Michael Grabner's contract or something, well, that's going to complicate any deal that you're trying to, to get done. And I just, I, it's also like we looked at, you know, remember when the Coyotes first hired Rick Tockett and there was all this talk for the longest time about how structured he is and how his system takes a while to get adjusted to and guys are getting used to it and they lost a million games. Well, if, if Rick Tockett, and I don't know if this is the case or not, but if Rick Tockett has a system that maybe has a higher learning curve than that of other coaches in the league, then the Coyotes would be particularly, particularly susceptible to a player not adjusting immediately if he came over off the trade deadline. Right. Unless he's a guy who's played in a similar system. Right. So Which I, you know, it, and I do, while, while that does exist, that, oh, th- it, this is a tougher system, it's still, it's, it's, it's small. Still, still hockey. hockey. Yeah. It's, it's not rocket hockey science. And, and they're not that different. Yeah. They're not that different from other teams. And it. this is what I go back to when I hear people complaining about Rick Tockett's system. It's the system. It's the coaching 
if you're going to give me that argument, you better dive into it and, and tell me exactly what you mean, because I, I honestly don't think most people who say that even understand what they're trying to do on the ice. Don't understand that they have made a number of tweaks to their system this season to try and coax more offense out of the team. Don't understand that it's predicated on quick puck movement by the defensemen up to the forwards. And a lot of times we're not seeing that because defensemen are making mistakes or bad reads. That's not on the coaching staff. That's execution. And that's good reads. I know a lot of the push, so I'll, I'll, this isn't even really playing devil's advocate because you know I don't agree with it, but I know a lot of the push is look at the offense that this team has or has added and they're not scoring. It must be Rick Tockett's system. Middle of the ice, middle of the ice, middle of the ice. Yeah, I mean, I would say the three main guys you look at that you say on this roster should be producing offense are Taylor Hall, Clayton Keller, and Phil Kessel. They're all wings. Hall is producing offense. Mm -hmm. People don't seem to realize it. Keller doesn't produce in the second half of the season. I know he's only played for Tockett, but he produces in the first half of the season. And Kessel has produced under Tockett before. He's just not doing it this year. So I don't I, I don't know that that's on Rick Tockett. Yeah. I really don't. Yeah. You could make the argument that the Coyotes wouldn't even be as good as they are without Rick Tockett. I mean, you certainly could. Yeah. It's like, well, it's like you could bring some other coach in here and they score a million goals. But if they're giving up. You know, right. four or five goals. It's just like what I just don't. You know, I know they 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 are deeper up front, but in terms of top end talent in their forward group, who other than Taylor Hall belongs in that conversation? Top end. It's just top Hall. end elite forwards. Yeah. You don't Nobody. look at it through the lens of Coyotes. Look at it through. Would this guy be a, a certain first line player on any other team right. in the NHL? Just Hall. Go, go just look Hall. at the playoff teams in the West and look at their center position. I did this in a notebook recently. Compare the center position. By and large, every playoff team has a better number one center than the Coyotes. Almost all of them. Now, Dallas probably doesn't because they move Sagan to the wing. Yeah. But by and large, if you compare them to the other Western Conference playoff teams, they have better centers. And that's not a knock on Christian no. Dvorak. He'd be a great Great number two center. That's where he belongs, and that's what we talk about. When we talk about filtering down, what, is, what impact does that guy have at the top of the lineup? It allows everyone else to slot into their correct positions. I would even say this with Hall, too, and I was talking to somebody at the game the other night, and they're like, look, the Coyotes added Taylor Hall, and the offense didn't get any better. And that is technically true stats-wise, but it's not because Taylor Hall is not producing. He got here, and then the guys that were producing stopped producing. Oh, and that's because not because of him, Taylor even Hall. Even though they're on other lines. <laughs> no, it's what? Not. The guys on his line, Christian Dvorak, is their leading goal scorer since January 1st. Mm-hmm. And Taylor Hall is their leading point producer since January 1st. And Connor Garland is having an okay season. Yeah. So, so yeah, they have no chemistry, those three no. guys. I don't know. I don't, the, know. The theme I don't know what here, they do about that. The theme here and the overriding message here is that correl- correlation does not equal causation. Yes. Not in this case. It's, it's I like, tweeted that earlier. Yes. It, yes. And it's just, I mean, it's, it's as if like the Coyotes were scoring thousands of goals before Rick Tockett showed up. Again, the it's, question we keep asking is, where is this team without Taylor Hall? What would they look like then? They were probably sellers at the deadline at that point. Now, let me ask you this. Where is this team right now? Because if you look, their record since January... Since they beat Florida on January 7th, they're 6-10-4, okay? Not good. No, it's not. If you look, though, at their last nine games, they're 4-4-1 four, four, and one in those nine games. All five losses are by one goal. So What's missing? Finishers. Yes. What I wrote about today. Finish. If that's not on the coach. They're getting good looks. How many good looks did they have early in that Florida game? They didn't finish. And some of that... Finish. Stop missing the net, by the way. Yeah, well... Just hit the net. Yeah. 
Give it a chance. And as all in as I am on Taylor Hall, shoot the puck with two seconds left. Amen. Losing by he one. moves right across the high slot and does not shoot. He did the hard part. Oh, yes. He got in prime scoring position and then passed. I had somebody tweet me after the game, why is it that we always make the opposing goalie look like a Vezina Trophy winner? Sergei Bobrovsky has won two Vezina Trophies in the last seven years, so the whole league has made him look like a Vezina Trophy winner. Yeah, but I, I agree that they're, we can't keep using that argument. Oh, they ran into a hot goaltender. They've been no. running into a, hot, a lot of hot goaltenders. No, it's about shot selection, shot placement. It's about finishing. They need to finish better. And do they have the guys that can do it? I don't know. I don't know. They, they thought they had it in Phil Kessel, but... Yeah, that large of a sample size, it's not luck, it's not coincidence. Mm-mm. It's just not. I would be interested, and, and I don't mean this like in a sarcastic way, if people... I, I don't know what more John Chica could do. If you have a realistic realistic move, not like, oh, just go out and get this guy. Like He's got to fit under the cap. You've got to move pieces that the other team would take back. Don't, don't give me a trade where you're getting rid of your trash and the other team will take it and give you their best player. What realistically could John Chica do? Because my concern with this team... The summer or the deadline? Well... Anywhere, Where, wherever, as a as a fan, you're unhappy. I don't think there's a, I, there's not much I would do differently than what John Shika has done. And I and the reason I ask it is because if you don't make the playoffs this year, what are you doing in the off season to change it? You've built a team that I think on paper should be a playoff team. Oh, I definitely oh, think it should yeah, be a playoff absolutely. team. No, that, in in spite of all of what I'm saying in terms of deficiencies in this conference, in this division, this season. They should be a playoff team. Yeah. And even with the injuries, and I know, look, people losing your starting goaltender really hurts. It really, especially when he's arguably been your best player. He probably was your best player. Yeah. So that's that's a big impact. Would they have six more points with Darcy Kemper? Yeah, probably. And then they'd be, they'd be in comfortably place. in the yeah. playoff spot. Yeah. So take that with a grain of salt because other teams have injuries too. But the, the Coyotes' injuries have not been nearly what they were last season. If you look at where they are in terms of man games lost, they're not even in the top half of the league. So I don't think they can, in spite of the fact they lost Kemper, and that matters, I I don't think they can use that so much as a crutch. you got to find a way to rise above this. you got to find a way, especially this season. We've been saying this now for a while, and it was great to see Kemper back on Tuesday against Florida, and he played great. I mean, he gave up two goals that nobody stopped, and that Mike Hoffman goal is, is a... You score that in the Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals to move your team into the Cup. Like That was a goal that you just don't stop. But Antti Ranta was playing great in February. He's yeah. not the reason they were losing games. Goaltending nope. hasn't been the issue. It's been goals. No, yeah, it was pe- the first month. I yeah, think. yeah. They had, they had absolutely. Goaltending. Yeah. yeah, I mean, people play that game of like, it's like you said, well, they would have had six more points if they had Darcy Kemper. Well, you'd also have six more points if you played better defense and were consistent at scoring goals. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's it's both sides of the same coin. And I mean, you, Luke, you're talking about what would John Chayka have done differently. Now, I agree with that from a forward-looking standpoint. Like the things that he did, they, they, they were logical. The pieces he added, they were logical to me. But now... Now that they've gotten probably not any any results, probably no playoff appearances with this lineup and this roster, you have to do something. And to me, that I mean, that starts with clearing some cap space. I mean, there's some yep. veterans that are getting paid a lot of money that aren't really doing that much, yep. and that's valuable cap space. And it's not even just Taylor Hall; it's just adding pieces in the offseason that are going to change the lineup and produce and get younger and do more things that the Coyotes of this year aren't doing. Yeah, and I, so, I, again, I, I said this earlier too. I also I also question the leadership. We've, we, look, this, it's a great room in terms of nice guys, but where's the fire right now? Where's the fire coming from? Where are the guys that are telling them how to get past this? And I'm talking, you know, not just the captain. I'm not just talking about Oliver Ekman Larson. I'm talking about Derek Stepan. I'm talking about Alex Goligoski. I'm talking about Brad Richardson, who I think does bring the fire and has played really well He's played lately. played a lot better lately, yeah. yeah. 
but you need those guys to lift you up. You need that in in the room, and I don't I don't feel like they're getting it. I don't know, man. That's that's tough because I I mean I know Stepan is is so emotionally invested in this. I I just. There's a lot of different things to look at. They're still very much in the playoff race. What's tough, though, is they have so much time off between games now while other teams play each other, so those other teams are getting points. I just think the biggest thing is, I think we saw this on Tuesday across the league, across the Western Conference, and I remember seeing it a lot last year. Like Winnipeg was down by two against Washington. They scored two goals in the last eight minutes. They scored one in the last four. When these teams around them need a goal in the final five minutes, they get it. Yeah. When the Coyotes need a goal, when they need a goal in the final five minutes, not when they're already up 6-3, when they are down 2-1 to one against Florida, who's scoring it? To me, it's either Hall or Dvorak. And that's or not... Garland. Yeah. Yeah. That's not enough. The team, yeah. especially if they're on the same line, teams will just yeah. be like, okay, they're what's up now, that line? <laughs> yeah. So... But, yeah, I agree. You, you got to have some of these guys stepping up. And, and look, Derek Stepan, we've talked about this, and people have questioned that deal. I, I still make that deal because I think the impact it had on the room was significant, and you, you couldn't have predicted Auntie Ranta's injuries. I still make that trade at the draft that you, they did. You got you know? a great year out of Ranta. I yeah, saw some look, stat, too. Tony, Tony D'Angelo is having a great offensive year. I mean, again, we've, we can talk about usage and how he is a one-dimensional player and— not a good guy either, so I'm not sure I want him around. And then Elias Anderson is – I mean, you look at that draft, like the picks. That's, yeah. that's a weak draft. It is a weak draft. So I don't care that they gave up the number 7 pick because it hasn't panned out into anything. Ronta turned in an almost Vesna caliber season yeah. his first year. You can't just forget that you, you got that out of him. But but with Derek Stepan now, a few seasons in, his production has fallen – significantly. So that's one of the pieces you have to look at in the offseason. You know you need to improve your center position anyway. Well, that might be an area where you need to look because he's making too much money for his production. To me though, the most the most concerning thing about the Coyotes, I mean there is there are issues like that where veterans aren't producing and there's guys that could be doing more, but there's the there's the expression that you need your best players to be your best players. Mm-hmm. And and right now, I mean we're in crunch time of the season since this ca- this calendar year started. So since January 1st, Keller has played 24 games. He has 11 points. Kessel has played 24 games. He has 13 points. Schmaltz has played 24 games and has 10 points. Mm -hmm. And I mean, Phil Kessel only has a couple years left on his deal. Keller and Schmaltz are signed for a long time. And I mean, look, these guys are good players. They are talented players. They were signed for a reason. But with that talent comes the responsibility of producing when it matters. No question. And if you get to the end of the season and you look at Clayton Keller and he has 40 or 50 or 60 points, you might shrug and go, well, that's not bad, and that's fine. Yeah, but look at where we are in the season and how important these games are, and some of these guys aren't really producing anything. So that, to me, is extremely concerning if you're a Coyotes fan. It is, and it's it's a learning process, too, for young players. But we've seen so many players at that age come through for their teams and start producing by this time. So, again, I, I think next year is the judgment season for, for Clayton Keller. With Nick Schmaltz, I'm not sure yet. He's bounced around, too. I can't. Can't imagine that's helped. I, I think he's played through some stuff, too. Yeah. Some injuries this he's year. He's still the leading point guy in the team, he too. Is. Mm-hmm. And I, I still like a lot of his game. I think he could stand to use some strength to add some strength in the offseason because I, I do think he gets knocked off pucks. And maybe he'll add it. Remember, yep. last year he was rehabbing all, yep, all offseason. Yep. My my worry with Keller is this is now his third straight year where he's disappeared in the second half of the season. And to yep. Matt's point, people will look at the end of the season, and I don't think it'll be Coyotes fans, but I think just people nationally will look and say, oh, Keller had 50 points or whatever. He's at... They all came in the first half of the year. And I'll, maybe somebody does a deep dive on this in the offseason. Secondary assist on the power play when you're up by three goals, that's right. cool. And everybody in the league gets them. Yep. And, and it helps you get a contract, but that does nothing for me in the playoffs. When I would love to see 
that sort of breakdown of stats instead of just goals and assists. I'd yeah. love to be able to dive much deeper into impactful goals and assists. I'm surprised primary assists and secondary assists aren't readily broken down somewhere. Because mm-hmm. yep. and, and, and look, every secondary assist is different. Sometimes it starts the play. Sometimes you just happen to touch the puck before two other guys made the play on the power play. And you don't know that unless you're watching the team closely. But of all the moves Chaika has made, that's the one that worries me. Mm-hmm. But I understand on some level why he did it because you want to get your guys that you drafted signed. You don't want to be that team. You don't want to be Ottawa that drafts guys, develops them, and then lets them go. Right. But the move to sign Dvorak, what, to $4.5 million a year looks brilliant. Yeah. Somebody somebody in my comments yesterday said he's not producing. That's not true. I'm like, are you crazy? He's, he's absolutely yeah, producing for what board. he's paid. Yeah, no question. Yeah, and he I, does the other stuff. Yes, like, that's exactly. The thing. He's, exactly. All the responsibilities he has down low on his own. He's, and he's winning faceoffs too. He's well, a very good player. And again, perfectly suited to the number two center role. At that price, I, 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 I don't know what else you want from him. I don't think I appreciated until the last couple of years how much people just look at points at the end of the season and say, this guy had a good year because he had some points and this guy didn't because he didn't have as many points. It's like, there's so much more to hockey. Yeah, and to me, it's logical what the Coyotes have done. I'm a Nick Schmaltz fan. He's a good player. I like watching him. I, I think he's good for this team. Um, to go across to another sport, look at the Diamondbacks. They signed Cattell Marte to a team-friendly contract, and now he's one of the best players in the game, and he's yeah. extremely underpaid, and that's great for the team. So I understand the Coyotes' logic in doing that, but the risk with both Schmaltz and Keller, but especially Keller, is now he's got a bit of a sample size under his belt of playing in this league and probably not living up to the billing that he was hyped at, yep. and his contract has not even started yet. That's, I mean, people talk about that as if it's a good thing. Like, well, he's not getting paid a lot of money yet. It's like, well, he's already been rewarded with this enormous deal, and he has not earned it. He, I don't know, I don't know what he's going to have to do to earn seven point one million dollars next year. But it's not score in October. Like you need to be a viable option in February and March, and not just for a game. Don't point and say, "Well, he had two goals in one game." Well, well where was he the month before that? As I was saying, he, you need to impact the game consistently. Even that doesn't necessarily even mean you're you're creating points. You're creating offense. You need to impact the game. And again, they they get away from this. They get away from going to the net. Yeah, go away as. Every coach will say, going to the hard areas, you need to do that to score in this league. You're not going to score from the perimeter. It just doesn't happen very often. Well, and to be fair with Keller, the reason he's judged on points is because, and they knew this when they signed That's him. That's who he is. That's he's, why he's here. He's not going to do the other stuff. No. He's but, not built to do the other but stuff. But he can, I mean, he can drive offense. Yeah. He can create. He can do a lot of things on offense. Yeah. Defensively, I mean, they need him to be responsible, but yeah, he's never going to be a Selkie candidate, anything close to it. Want to get to some of these listener questions? Sure. Um, Eldon always gets that question in first. I don't know how he does it. Hmm. Let's get serious. Does Matt put ketchup on hot dogs? Ooh, this is a big question for you, Matt. Uh, serious answer. Answer uh, carefully. Yes. Mm-hmm. But. Um, Who's to- doing the show next week? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. My Craig favorite. is so disgusted he can't speak. It's To me, it's not a must. It's just I'm willing to and I enjoy it sometimes. I was thinking of inviting Kat. But she also eats ketchup on her hot dogs. So, it's yeah, unbelievable. no. I'm just unbelievable. Maybe we got to find somebody who doesn't eat ketchup on their hot dogs. Christian Fisher is out, too. Put whatever you want on your hot dog. Don't put whatever you want on your hot dog. You can put <laughs> anything you want on your hot dog but ketchup. If you put... Ketchup is an abomination. You can put mayonnaise and Skittles Oh, mayonnaise! I, mayonnaise. Now, I would not do that. I'm just saying... Oh. I would never do that. I'm just and saying that, that I don't judge people by what now. they put on their hot dog. Put whatever you want. I'm going to judge people. I'm going to judge people. Uh, mayonnaise and Skittles on the hot dog. Go oh. for it. I don't care. Oh. I'm not judgmental. It's almost I just, as bad as ketchup. 
Um, I'm a raven. Speaking of the coyotes, what's your favorite roller coaster? Wait, is it just I'm a raven? I'm a raven. Caw, caw. Thank you. <laughs> Speaking of the coyotes, what's your favorite roller coaster? Mine is definitely not coyotes hockey. Uh, I've been on a, on a ton of roller coasters. Have you? Yeah, I like roller coasters. Yeah? What's yeah, your favorite? There's one at uh, Six Flags Chicago called the Viper. Yeah? I'm a big drop guy. I like that first big wow. drop. I don't like twists and turns. That's not... I don't know, and that's not a thrill to me. That just makes me sick. I don't want to spin around in circles, but I like a big drop, and the Viper has an amazing first drop. So then you should like what the Blackhawks have done over the last few years, uh-huh. cruising <laughs> along, and then the bottom just falls out. What if they? What if there was a roller coaster called the Stan Bowman? How would that go? <laughs> it's just straight off a cliff, just up, 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 and then straight down. Uh, I'm not sure what I would do to that roller coaster. I'd find a way to destroy it. <laughs> uh, oh, this is a deep one here. Coach East Jack. Does Johnny Walker have a productive, solid NHL career? ASU forward Johnny Walker. That is... No, oh, I thought he was talking about the alcohol for a Well, moment. maybe he, he didn't specify, so... Mm, I hate to say this, but I doubt it. I have no idea. Um, Who can say? Big Tortilla. Could Victor Soderstrom be recalled to the team? He could. He won't. Okay. Um, yeah, okay. Let me see. Unless they're out of the playoffs and they just want to give him a couple looks. Oof. Let's not even think about that. Steve, the Coyotes started the season hot, but really, isn't this exactly where they were predicted to be, barely making the playoffs, hopefully? Seems like they will have made the progress they were expected to make this year if they somehow make the playoffs. If they make the playoffs, it's all fine. Mm -hmm. And if they make the playoffs, I think they're a dangerous team with their goaltending. I think they need to make the playoffs. I think it matters to the room to get the experience. I think there's value in that, even if they go out in the first round. Just to experience it. I think think they need to make the playoffs. You need to get in and you need to win at least a game. If you get swept out, it's almost like you weren't there. True. Get in and win a game. Well, not to be doom and gloom, but a big narrative around the Coyotes throughout their history has been their... Their business operations, right? With their their arena situation and stability with the organization from a business standpoint, what kind of message does it send to the Valley if you miss the playoffs again? And I think that's more damaging than the 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 in-the-room stuff. I think this is the first time... I mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it's the first time in a while where I feel like the expectations were legitimately your playoff team mm-hmm. coming into the season. Was that, that was the narrative coming out of there. They, at some point, John Chica said, we're not in rebuild mode yeah. anymore, remember? And then he traded for Phil Kessel and Taylor Hall. Mm-hmm. I, again, I, I, this is why it's hard for me to second-guess Chica. I've liked all but one move he's made as he did it. So it's going to be hard for me to, to stand back and be like, oh, I don't like that move now. It is hard to gauge what impact... Alex Morello is having on all of them and and sort of the expectations they have or what sort of pressure they're under. It's hard to gauge that, especially because, you know, we don't talk to the owner ever. Um, Murdoch, you can no longer wear any type of shoe for the rest of your life. Do you go barefoot or socks only? Probably going socks. I'm going in socks. Yeah, why would you? Yeah, I I want to wear something. You know, barefoot is, that's fine for the beach, although Luke wears dress shirts on the beach. Yeah. But But they're nice dress shirts. I'm kind of of the opinion that, by and large, feet are pretty nasty. So I think you should wear socks. <laughs> I just don't want to step on a rock or something. Don't see a lot of feet that I want to look at. Or hot so. pavement yeah, in Arizona. That's a very real thing that's here. A, that's a good call there. Yeah, very that's good call. call. So maybe socks with those like grips or treads on the bottom of them that give you a little more padding from yeah. the heated Kind of like, like a onesie for a child, how yeah, it has a little, yeah, yeah. The little nubs a, on the a bottom. Little, a onesie itself would be very hot. That would be Arizona a summer. little extreme to, yeah. to find the loophole in his Look question by wearing yeah. Yeah, a onesie around Arizona. Mm-hmm. Uh, also from Murdoch, probably answered already, but what's up with Grabner? Just a lineup fit issue? Laziness? I know he's been professional no about laziness. it, but feel like he could have helped a bit. Yeah, it's not laziness. No, no, the it's guy, not laziness. <laughs> the guy's like ridiculously in shape. I mean... 
he wasn't having a, a major impact on the team this year. Their penalty kill has been pretty effective without him. Uh, he was making some defensive mistakes, but so were a lot of guys. I, I, I think he's going to get another crack at some point here soon. I, I don't. I don't know why he's been out this long. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, look, he 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 made a couple, I guess, defensive mistakes that yes. got him pulled out of the lineup, but he's not the only guy on the team that was making mistakes. Nope. Um, so, dangle snipe belly. No, this is nice. I'm just one person with many questions, not a joint Twitter account. I we don't believe you. Yeah. <laughs> we, don't, we don't believe any of you. Most likely candidates the Coyotes trade in the offseason slash at the draft. Uh, well, depends if me. they make the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Do you want to do two scenarios? Okay. Actually, let's, let's do the they don't make the playoffs. Okay. Because I don't know what, what making the playoffs brings. Who knows how far they go, et cetera. If they don't make the playoffs, I'm looking at those veterans. I, I don't I don't think Phil Kessel is going to get traded, but he better come with more next season than he's come with this season. But some of those other veterans that are on high price contracts, you probably need to move some of those guys out. Um, Kessel, by the way, and it didn't turn into any points or anything, had some burst against Florida. He had that one play where he took the puck and just turned right up the ice and looked like Phil Kessel from three years ago. But then he didn't after that. No, yeah, it's it's weird. I it's thought that really I, I remember the exact play you're talking about. Like, huh, I wonder if he's skating tonight. And then I don't remember noticing him the rest of the game. Yeah, I don't know. He almost looks tentative sometimes. The guy's won two Stanley Cups. It's, he, I don't know. Uh, best steak in Arizona. Not a big steak guy. I, I like steak, actually. Yeah. yeah, I would say the best steak I've had is Mastro's. Okay, I was going to say Jack in the Box, but I guess we're not going to do it. Wow. Okay. Um, Capital Grill uh, is pretty good. Oh, wow. Not You're a sponsor. I've been to the Capital Grill, yeah. What would your ideal Doan commemorative statue look like? Mine is either hat trick face Doan or throw brown down Doan. Ooh, I, throw I like brown down Doan. Yeah. <laughs> Throwing uh, an elbow at someone in the corner, probably. <laughs> Uh, remember the game he had like what was it two goals, twelve shots, ten hits, or something against LA? He just went off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Tip talks about that. It's like because Tip had that that board. It's almost like a hustle board. where yeah. you accrue points for each thing you do. Yeah. And he he said he was like, like off the charts in that game. It was like twenty seven <laughs> points. I, I have not I have not seen a game like that. I mean, we've seen games around the NHL where a guy has four goals or even five goals or whatever. But that game, Doan was like out of his mind. Yeah. Every time anything happened, he was at the center of it. That was one of my nineteen days of Doan stories. Actually, that was a that was had to be his best game as a coyote, right? Just across the board, yeah. Uh, and one process question How many minutes of stuff do you cut when you edit down your podcast, and what sort of stuff gets cut? Well, Mostly as, what Jamie says, yeah, as you can tell by listening, we don't cut anything. <laughs> um, Los Coyote Steve, do you think Ronta will still be a member of the Coyotes come September? Whew. I suspect he will, I think he will. Um, I think he should. It's my personal opinion. If I were the general manager, I'd keep him. Uh, Carl responded. I think you. I think Ronto will be back too. I, what he did in February is what they are envisioned here. Where just, it's just the health issue, right? Outstanding backup. Yeah, they haven't been able to count on him, and now maybe it is load management. Maybe you just have to accept that he can only play X amount of games in a season, and you have to stick to that. But yeah, he's been he's been hurt a lot, so that's that's a concern. Carl wrote back to Jamie and said, this is hockey, not baseball. We do lines, not lists. And then he said, Jamie is Peter Pruka. Luke is Martin Hansel. Hey, I haven't missed a podcast. And Craig is Redding Verbata. Well, who am I? Um, who do you want to be? Ooh. 
I'm Redeem Rabata. You're BJ Crombie because you already brought him up once. <laughs> I'm Lori Cork Bukowski. Who, who is Jamie? Peter Pruka. Peter Pruka. Obscure okay. reference right it there. It is a, an obscure. I, I thought he just completed the line. I mean, we had Hansel and Verbata. I figured somebody would be Ray Whitney. Lucas Lessio. Uh, yeah. You can be Lucas Lessio. I'm just trying to think of the most obscure coyote. And releasing. Yeah, and releasing. Suddenly moving <laughs> away from Matt. <laughs> Lucas Lessio always made me nervous. He, he had some energy. Coach East Jack, any trade deadline rumors intentionally leaked by teams to insiders, or are they coming from disloyal spies within the organization? It's wow. spies. It's SB always spies. Just, everything's a spy. <laughs> Often leaked by agents. Sometimes uh, things that aren't true. <laughs> leaked by agents. Oh uh, yeah. Well yeah. Um that's what agents do. Yes, Michael. Do. I got a call from someone, so it means they're interested. No, sometimes it's just you know, when when you look at this, pretty much every gem will call about players that are available because they want to know the acquisition cost because there is a certain value assigned to each player. Yeah. So if the acquisition cost is less than what you think the player is worth, you might take that player because you might be able to flip that player. Or you, you, Basically, it's a net gain for you, right? So you make the call. You make the call. But then you find out, eh, the acquisition cost is too high, so not interested anymore. But the agent spins that into five teams are interested in this guy to yeah. try and drive up the price. Yeah, it's like you'll see a report this. that says, you know, yeah. X team checked in on X player. It's like, so right. what? That doesn't mean anything. Exactly. Yeah, everybody yeah, checks in on doing. everybody. Yeah. It doesn't mean anything. <laughs> but then everybody runs with it. Yes. Uh, we didn't even talk about the whole Johnny Gaudreau leaving the ice for 10 minutes in the middle of trade deadline day and all of Canada freaking out. Do you remember yeah. that? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Do you remember Redeem Verbata watch a few years back? Yeah. <laughs> I remember Roberto Luongo and Ryan Kessler watch when the Canucks were here that one year. And Kessler definitely thought he was getting traded. And I don't think he did get traded that year. Luongo did when they were in town. Michael, it's hard not to see this season as a disappointment, even if the Coyotes make the playoffs at this point. In terms of offensive weapons and the inability to close out teams that haven't been very good, does this team need a player change? I would disagree with the first thing. If they make the playoffs, that's what they were trying to do. Mm. Uh, but if they don't make the playoffs, it goes back to what we were saying before. It's not like, a, oh, they just need to add this and they're fine. This is sort of the roster you built to make the playoffs. Well, I... I see what he's saying because this team was in first place for a while, and I think a lot of people were saying, wow, this guys are even better than they we thought they were, right? So if you're in first place in your division, you're thinking you at least get to the playoffs and maybe even win a playoff series or are extremely competitive in that series. And if what actually happens is that they just barely squeak into the playoffs as a second wildcard team and lose the first series 4-1, to one, that's a disappointment to me. you got to be better than that. Especially um, when you... When you <laughs> Not to beat the dead horse, but you go back to they acquired Kessel, they acquired yeah, Hall, they, they signed the expectations and, themselves. You know, you got Clayton Keller yep. on a billboard somewhere, and then now it's like you barely even get into the playoffs and you lose the first round. That's a disappointment. Yep. Yep. Just by the way, but getting back to that trade, the the whole trade rumors thing. Yeah. Zach Bogosian is a classic example. There are reports out there the Coyotes were interested. No, they called and they were quickly not interested in Zach Bogosian. <laughs> but they called, so that's yeah. almost as binding as a contract. Coyote in Philly, what's Shane Doan up to these days? Do you see a future for him with the Coyotes? Uh, he's up to everything. Every time I see him, he's like, hey, we should you know, do a show or whatever together. I'm, what's your schedule like? Well, I'm here yeah, on I'm, Tuesday. I'm here for on the league. I'll be back in Chicago watching Josh play, yeah. and I might have one hour on this day. How's that? That day yeah. is like uh, three months later. <laughs> he's doing more than I think he realizes he's doing. He's That's busy. what I'll say. He's busy. Uh, future uh, for him with the Coyotes? I have to think eventually. Right, I mean, he's he's the he, I don't know. Can he still play based on Craig's? Well, yeah. Well, I mean, 
with with the people in place right now, uh, I don't know. I mean, Alex Morello doesn't know Shane Doan. He's met him now. Yeah. But John Chaika was the one that had to go and fire him, as as Doan put it. Uh, I don't think his relationship with Aaron Cohn is great. Hmm. So I don't know. Uh, George. This is the George that knows where Craig lives. Seriously, why is, it like, George. why is it like pulling teeth to get someone with a coyote sweater to consistently occupy the front of the net in the goaltender's sight line? Maybe that's why we keep running into hot goalies. He used a lot of quotes there. Maybe some advanced stats prove my eyeball scoring exactly incorrect. No, I, I think that's a legitimate concern. One of several, but that's legitimate. I think they meet, they need more net front. It doesn't help when Derek Stepan goes to the net and they score against Toronto and then the goal gets waved off because he went to the net. Mm. But uh, And and overturned. Yeah. Now, that's the problem I had with that call. Yeah, I, me too. Technically, looking at it, yeah, okay, I get it. I could see but it. But when you told us it's going to be harder to overturn things once it's ruled on the ice, it's got to be egregious. That wasn't egregious. That was the exact wording, wasn't it? Wasn't egregious yep. the wording? Yes, yeah. it was. Uh, Booper. Is there any way to trick Taylor Hall into signing an extension? It's not looking like we're making the playoffs, so hopefully management has sold the heck out of Arizona to him. He is I, not signing an extension. Not now. Everybody, you don't think at all? There's no oh, chance? No, I mean, I'm not saying not no chance, but I'm just saying it's not happening before the oh, end okay. of the season. It's not happening. Um, everybody's writing in like the Coyotes are out. I mean, they're, they're, no. as we record this, they're still tied for the second wild card. The spot. math doesn't look good. It doesn't, and Nashville's an issue. I, I will say this, and you can correct me if, if you think I'm wrong, but... I don't really care what... I enjoy that. <laughs> Good luck, because I'm not going to be wrong. <laughs> I don't really care what Vegas and Edmonton do anymore. It's Calgary, Nashville, and Winnipeg that yep. I'm concerned about. Completely agree. And That's I, all you have to focus on right now. I guess Vancouver, if they start losing. Don't ignore Minnesota either, because they got four games in hand on the Coyotes, and they're three points back. It's Minnesota. If Minnesota makes the playoffs, yes. this is just Go away already. Waste Go away. They're, they don't even want to make the playoffs. Uh, Carl, what stress management techniques would you recommend for Coyotes fans given the team's precarious playoff positioning? Mm. And then Matt wrote back and said, as a Caps fan, you should already be equipped. <laughs> <laughs> not me. Different, different Matt, not me. Yes, no, yeah. Matt, Matt Smith. Matt Smith. Um, I, <laughs> when I, when I, I have an no, answer, I'll give it I got it to nothing you. for you. <laughs> Don't watch them on the road right now. Just watch them at oh, home. Maybe that helps. Well, didn't the other night. No. Uh, Mike, can we please put an end to this catch-up or hot dog nonsense? And talk, it seems pretty reserved. Does he or the coaching staff ever just blow up at the team? Over the catch-up thing or hockey stuff? I would think he'd blow up at the team over the catch-up stuff. Oh, but, no, uh, they, they let that catch-up stuff go. I saw really? it in Montreal. It was, it was hard uh, to watch. Um, do you think Tockett's that reserved? I don't think he's reserved. Yeah. So it's funny because I, as somebody else... that guy's reserved. He's passionate. He's all in. Yeah. Somebody yeah. else said the other day, I, I saw that, that you know some fan on online was like well, he's always so he's always so quiet after the games he doesn't show it's funny because i remember when he first got here it seemed like every and they were losing a lot it seemed like after every loss he would come in and he was just like trying not to explode at the mm-hmm. podium in the post-game press conference i think he's a lot more reserved in that sense with the media and i don't know if that's just because the coyotes pr team told him like hey i don't know what the situation i have no it's idea probably but, a good thing if he's not blowing up in press conferences yeah, yeah exactly. like that's gonna but help. you that's, don't know what he's saying behind closed no, doors we don't and- I don't. I don't think he's bringing tons of fire to the locker room because I think that gets old really fast in a locker room. I think you rely on your leadership group to do that. I mean, he'll pick his spots, and so will the assistants. But by and large, the room needs to police that sort of stuff, and that's part of what I'm talking about with leadership right now. I'm not convinced 
they're getting the job done. He and Takeda said on a number of occasions he wants different voices leading the team, mm-hmm. not just him over and over and over again. And he's referenced, you know, when he broke into the league, the guys that sort of were the leaders in the locker room on the Flyers when he first got there, and the role he had towards the end of his career when guys like uh, I forget who he gave his example, like Simone Gagne and guys like that were breaking into the league. Justin Williams were uh, where they looked up to Rick Tockett as as a as a player leader in the room. He's big on that stuff. Ozzy, what's currently more broken, the Leafs' defensive play or their psyche? Oof. Good question. Could be a poll question. Yeah. Well, defense now with no Jake Muzzin. Um, and I'll wrap up with this. Ben, okay. napkin Jamie is the best Jamie. That's true. All right, Ben. We didn't get to all of them. I'm sorry. Wow, there's a lot. There's a lot we didn't get to. Maybe we can roll some of these over to next week. We'll do that. Or maybe Craig will just do a Q&A off the air. <sighs> Uh, All right, that's going to do it for Matt Lehman and Craig Morgan, not Jamie Eisner. I'm Luke Lipinski. Thanks for listening to the Natural Hat Trick Podcast. I have nothing to say in Jamie's place. It's still better than what Jamie would say in Jamie's place.